damn night. Welcome to this episode of All Damn Night. I am your host, Brandon Richardson. Joined as always, resident expert Sean. I forgot the word buy there, but you yeah. know, it happens. I, yeah, hey, whatever. I, I, I thought you were going to toss in the buy, but that's a little. I was going to, but I figured they, 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 they stuck with us this long. They, they don't care about a missing word here and there. Little alley without the loop. My bad. <laughs> yeah. That was on me, folks. So anyway, uh, yeah. Welcome. If you haven't heard us. I'll, heard I'll us share before. that burden with you. I appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. But if you haven't heard us before, um, we are a music history podcast and we kind of go into history through music, right? Like we, we check yeah. out history through the lens of music. And uh, so we usually pick apart a song or pick apart a story or whatever from music history. And uh, you come along for the ride with us. And uh, in the spirit of it's i mean yeah we're like gonna be slightly late with this episode but it's in the spirit of halloween better right? late than be, never man exactly and in a in a uh, theme new theme that we're going to be starting we're going to be going into music mystery and murder tonight yes sean has been very excited waiting for yeah. this episode it's uh it's i'd so much rather this crap than the uh um conspiracy corners oh my god that's shit just like i lose sleep over that stuff. i i will say that yeah dude this honestly kind of I think this one was pretty heavy. If like whatever trigger warning, whatever they say, yeah, this yeah. one it, it's pretty. We're gonna we're gonna paint a picture for. Well, I'm gonna paint a picture for Sean, and then together we're gonna paint a picture for the listener, and we're going right. to kind of take a trip with this this particular famous song um, and view it through the lens that the creators really intended. Well. Uh, quote unquote creators uh first of all i'd like to uh full disclosure um i do know the song um yeah i I I sent it to you earlier yeah as usual but listeners don't know that and as usual i still have no idea where this episode is going so listeners i'm with you on this journey of epicness so uh let's uh lead brandon's gonna lead by example and we're gonna follow blindly and, God help uh, us all. God help us all. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, bring an extra canteen. <laughs> we are going, yeah, bring two. Because we're getting we, lost. <laughs> we are uh, We are going to be looking into a song that, okay, my goal was to find the darkest song that would, oh, I think one of the darkest songs in music history, one that people would know. I know that there's other yeah. ones out there that are, you know, more macabre in their kind of subject matter or more, blatantly macabre yeah, there's whole genres like, that are just totally disgusting death metal evil. horror metal yeah, and like but... even like you could go into like some of the horror rap and stuff like that but this one's but more but you know what they're doing they're they're trying they're trying so yeah, hard yeah. it's on the so nose this this song is just classic textbook dark yeah probably heard it a thousand times and yeah. you wouldn't really know not just the song not just the lyrics uh but the kind of all these weird i guess for lack of a better word cosmic connections to it if you played 27 degrees of separation this is like the spookiest song out there in my in my opinion and on the honorable mentions okay honorable mentions especially for this kind of with all that criteria laid out you definitely have like what hotel california right like everyone that creeps a lot of people out it's kind of a little too esoteric it's a little too like it's kind of like uh um cliche though yeah i agree so and it's a little like yeah no offense no not to you but no offense to any listeners out there it's a little boomery you know you know it's just a little like, yeah, hard, hard to relate is. to what about no quarter i think no quarter um what's in my time of dying um yeah. also on the in the 
blues blues vein robert johnson's hellhound on my trail is another yeah. one that's like a deeply haunting song but i think that just deserves its own treatment in a whole another episode that it's like and then i think in the vein we we're talking about it's a little too on the nose you know yeah. from the lyrics what it's about right but this song you wouldn't really know exactly what it's about and this song ladies and gentlemen is riders on the storm by the door oh yeah the garth brooks classic they <laughs> i love it. you like garth brooks i like garth brooks too yeah riders on the storm greatest country music star of all time jim morrison <laughs> garth brooks's uncle no all that's uh all that's just a joke but this is to say that uh we were talking right before we got started neither of us are giant doors fans um I, I would go as far to say that i disliked the doors yeah i would say that i was like only kind of tacitly interested in them and yeah. after before but after completing this episode i think i have more uh, respect for morrison as a writer i think the kind of cinematic picture that the, the him he and the band construct in this song is really underrated because a lot of people don't know the backstory. So there's a couple things to it that just off the bat, like people may hear without hearing, like they've got a rainstorm going, which is like a a kind of constant sonic pad that they lay down that they're, that they're going over. And if you haven't heard the song before, don't worry. Incredible quality too. Yeah. And they, right, exactly. They've got like a great quality recording. I think they got it right outside of their studio really uh and then there's also a double this is in fact the last song the doors ever recorded like literally the last track on the last album this is the last song that jim morrison ever recorded and he went back over after he recorded the first vocal take and then put this second whispered track over the top of that so when he's singing like you gotta love your man you can hear another you gotta love your super creepy it's super creepy when you especially when you're familiar with the story yeah so that and that whispered track would be the last thing that jim morrison ever did on record you know what the thing is is like i never really listened to the doors as like a a grown mature adult like they were always like a thing in in like early high school or late middle school or it was kind of like cool to listen to them because they were like the hip uh, outlier uh, rock and roll band yeah whatever, and it just felt band. a little too like peace sign just it was yeah. very clear when you listen to like led zeppelin um as an example like you could say like i don't know man this is like me it could have been recorded in 65 or it could have been recorded in 75 but i'm not real sure it's kind of hard to date it but with the yeah. with the uh with the doors you're like oh that's the late 1960s every single yeah. song it's like yeah that's 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 got to be the late 1960s yeah it sounds like it's time it certainly does yeah that's interesting that you say that about zeppelin yeah i, I don't think they have any songs that could be modern really <clears throat> maybe uh um, no but you wouldn't be able to say that they're like oh that you, you know late late 70s um zeppelin tune is just you know completely uh indistinguishable from the early zeppelin tunes like it's, yeah. it all sounds like it could have been kind of made whenever they get more exam they get more exaggerated and more complicated but like 
it's tough to like pin down exactly when that was. We're like the oh, doors. Yeah. You're like, oh, 1968. It's, yeah. Hello, 1968. It's it's almost like they recorded everything in the same session. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. Like, I, and they, if you're a hater, I mean, if this if this angers you, don't worry. Like, we're gonna have lots of um, what doors profuse doors praise as throughout oh, yeah. this episode. But I mean, we haven't even aired it, and I can already see the the inbox filling up. But, but uh, I think that's not an uncommon take, especially for people no. and uh, the millennials and younger. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Like we, we weren't there for the late sixties. It's hard to put myself in, in the, in the time frame and in the headspace, And it's just not as relatable. And they're, they're an American band. So they're, uh, they're second class. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I got you. I see what you're doing there. So, I mean, this was the time of the British rock. There was queen. Mm. There was Zeppelin. Yeah. There was Rolling Stones. Stones there was Beatles, AC, even DC. Yeah. All this crap. And uh, well, yeah, I guess AC, DC. But, no, uh, but yeah, yeah. Your point was Jimi Hendrix. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah the, Hendrix. Who, the Who. Sure. Uh, you know, so if somebody's going to like a band from this time, it's going to be something like the Who, who created rock operas, who, uh, you know, granted, maybe uh, his uh, Google search history is a little questionable but this, it's a little beyond questionable but, but, this, but this but this contemptible this one man one guitarist wrote entire yeah. like epilogues and it's it's incredible and but then when you look at the doors jim morrison was just an after effect like uh what well, i mean it can Bobby be rather Krieger, imprecise right like it can what? be kind of noodly they get a little noodly sometimes like sometimes people's complaint with the yeah. dead like the grateful dead is that they're a little kind of not they're no they don't have have enough of that like backbone where, yeah but but yeah. but the grateful dead all you got to do is take acid and it makes sense the doors mm, fair enough without jim morrison they're a great band yeah but then <laughs> but then but then you add jim morrison and you're like who's this fucking guy like why but, is he why is he so sad all the time i i would like, say <laughs> i would say that this song in particular would not have been possible without morrison's artistic vision in this That's particular absolutely one true. absolutely so, true yeah. okay well let's kind of go into what it's about they were kind of noodling around i guess with a um the western standard at a rehearsal or kind of just jamming around um ghost riders in the sky if you never heard it the original version was by a man named Stan Jones. It was recorded in the late 1940s, 48, 49. There's some dispute on that. Um, but it was by Stan Jones and his Death Valley Rangers, which is a dope name. Wow. Uh, it was yeah. issued on Mercury 5320 in May 1949. Uh, so it's been around about 20 years, right? By about this time. So it's a well known song. And it's about um, basically, it's about this guy who's out and i'm paraphrasing this but you can read the lyrics it's this working cowboy who's like living a less than reputable life as cowboys may or may not be known to do well when you're on the run no holes bar well you, i'm just saying got, like yeah i'm from a family of cowboys and yeah. as well i while my family is is uh, of course entirely above board reputable and upstanding citizens they're not <laughs> always uh we've listened to the last couple episodes we know what's going on mr richardson by the way uh how long did it take you to get your hat off your head today you know what sean something the best left to the Uh, audience was hanging on to your feet and the other guy was hanging on to the hat (laughs) it involves a pull-up bar and a bungee cord (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so this song, this is kind of like very you, dangerous. In fact, activity. Well, many many is, a cowpoke have, have perished in a very similar matter. This particular irreputable cowpoke was uh, he's out. So he's out. This is kind of like fucked up and psychedelic. He's out, you know, doing his job. He's out you know, riding fence line or you know, look, counting cattle or whatever. And a ghostly group of damned cowboy souls ride up to him on these like Whoa. storm clouds on giant horses and tell him basically like better shape up or you're going to be joining up up here which is strange but up here in the skies which is hell to them because they ride around on clouds i don't know that's it's it's a little shaky with the storyline as far as that mm. but otherwise pretty pretty jamming song right when when do we get to the wayne's world 2 cameo just wait it's coming just wait okay all right. But like we said, this is the last song that's ever recorded by Morrison. Morrison would uh, this was this the song itself and the album L.A. Woman was released April 19th, 1971. Right. So like what, two or three months later, Morrison is found dead in his apartment. And uh, it's in course on France, but basically like basically Paris. He was, again, a member of the 27 Club. A fucking strange thing. So right. What's the 27 Club? So all of these, whether we were talking about, I tried to, this is a, an interesting point to kind of veer off on, on all of these songs that I was looking at, that I was looking at um, to kind of figure out what might be the darkest one. Robert Johnson, there's a Kurt Cobain, a Nirvana song called Polly that's very dark and about uh, a woman who was kidnapped and uh, raped and eventually escaped and all this stuff um and what else was there uh i think there was a hendrix song and then i think hotel california was written when uh, uh henley was 27 but all, all of those people previously mentioned other than henley died at the age of 27 yeah all of them and even jo- up to amy Winehouse. joplin yep, and, absolutely uh, who else there kurt cobain yeah. uh robert johnson was the first one um Gosh, I think we're missing missing a significant number, but yeah, it's this famous thing where people tend to, especially famous people, tend to die at 27 years old. The official cause for Morrison was listed as heart failure, but no autopsy was performed. And like you just kind of hear that it was an accidental heroin overdose. I don't know. There's some weird stuff with that because he wasn't reputed as having used heroin like a lot before in the he movie like, in the movie it showed that he did but uh, yeah like in in like there's not a lot of reports of him being like on heroin that could be that could be why he overdosed because you're not familiar right. real familiar with it or he was like kind of on it or but not super into it and then got off and then was like oh i'll take my, my dose i was using when i got off before and that can kill him so like that could happen but there's been never been like autopsy proof that he died of a heroin overdose however so that's a, another tragedy connected to the song. However, the most chilling aspect of the song may be in its deceptively explicit description of one of the most heinous crimes in American history and one of the saddest, darkest lives that have maybe ever existed on Earth. This is the story of Badman. I, I think they call there's a lot a lot of names for this guy. Cockeyed, cockeyed Billy Cook. Lots of like 19 famous 1950s criminal names. This is a story of Billy Cook, a very bad, bad person. <laughs> Sticky um, fingers, Bill. So this is kind of like a, uh, this is a a story of like, or you can keep in mind the whole time through, like, is this the chicken or the egg? Like, was this guy 
born shitty or was he made shitty? But I think we can all agree that shitty will be the only adjective <laughs> suitable to, to describe him by the end of this story. Like this guy, man, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty rough deal. So what happened was there was this guy named Billy Cook and he's born, let's see, he's born in Joplin, Missouri in 1928 to a family of 10 siblings. And he's born to, he's the 11th sibling. And so he's the youngest one and he's born to his mother's second husband, who is like a severe, severely abusive alcoholic, right? By all accounts. And then Billy's mom, Billy is born with like some kind of birth defect where like his eye tends to sag all the time. Like, so he's got one like kind of saggy eye that even like corrective surgery didn't fix all the way. But he's born with that. And then when he's five. Corrective surgery in 1928. First I mean, of all, they did their best. this all sounds horrible. Oh, it's my God. Horrific. And it, I assure you, friend, I have only begun. It is. It's, it doesn't even make sense. So, so I'm, I'm willing to wager that he was born into shittiness and then was raised shittily. And then became uh, shitty. <laughs> it's it seems like that's kind of exactly what happened. So his mom passes away when he's five years old. Because mom uh, shit poisoning. Yeah. I well, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't find it. it. This is one of those things I was telling you before we started. It's weird that it happened. This all happened. What is this? 1928. So it's less than a hundred years ago. It's 90 something years ago, right? Close and, enough, man. But Close enough. it's really hard to get um, corroborating evidence, like or corroborating accounts. So, like to right. find what his mom died of, I think tuberculosis, but I'm not really sure. Um, so, open to correction on that. But that's his mom did pass away when he's five. So, there's him and his eleven siblings are then in the care of his alcoholic, abusive dad who some of the older siblings just bail, right? They're like, I'm out of here. They're in their late teens. Um, one of his oldest sisters goes and I believe marries a local, I think, farmer. It was, again, like that's kind of what the records point to. Um, then, well, what else was there at the time? I'll tell you what else there was. Billy's alcoholic, abusive dad moves him and all of his other siblings into a cave. A cave. A, a local like mine that's shaft fucking cave. badass. Dude, I was just I was just watching literally right when you called me. I was watching the Cerro Gordo dude, Brent. Slucky motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. So I didn't I, I'm getting I'm catching up here. So this week's episode, he's doing a, a week in the life of owning a ghost town. Cerro Gordo mine company. But uh, next week's or this week's episode, uh, he spends 48 hours alone in a mine shaft. And I'm like, oh my god, this fucking guy is just nuts. You know what? Billy, so I, you know I what can't Billy get Cook enough. Thir- he called. Can't that get enough fucking- of this cave mind shit. I love it. Oh my god. Well, I'll tell you what. Billy Cook <laughs> didn't feel the same way, dude. dude. I think he had enough of the cave mind shit. So he eventually <laughs> he gets into. He doesn't get along with his dad. He eventually takes off, leaves. His dad basically like abandoned the kids there too. Like just said like. There's some food and some stuff and like, I'll come by whenever. And so the authorities come by, they actually foster care came, found these kids. They left a report on Billy saying that his clothes were so dirty. They could stand on their own. They could like, 
Imagine take- that in 1928, the foster system comes to your house. Dude, if That's- your kids are getting taken away by <laughs> yeah. the foster care in the 1930s, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Dude? <laughs> Holy shit. You know, I'm sure there's a reasonable, reasonable explanation for other situations, but oh my if, God. Maybe if it this was one in particular, Billy. I think we can make fun of this one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. This is all terrible. This happened to Billy Cook, but Billy turned out to be a real dickhead. A real son of a bitch. Yeah, he really is a real son of a bitch, dude. Um, And you'll see like everything that this guy ends up saying is just like, who are you trying to be the fucking Joker, dude? What are you doing? Uh, So he, you know, bails. He or I'm sorry, he gets taken away by foster care and then so oh geez where do they put them oh geez so this yeah that begs the next question right so in the 1930s uh it's hard it's hard to get out without laughing or crying but in the 1930s uh trying (laughs) trying to put a quote-unquote deformed boy up for adoption (laughs) was a rough bet so a lot and because okay so two things but think about this if you're adoptive if your parents a potential adoptive parents and like i mean first of all kudos to adoptive parents all right we'll just get that out of the way like thank you for adopting all these kids in need because they're not billy cook like billy cook is a is a anomaly here and a complete um I think we were looking at someone that was born with some real mental problems and sadly did not get, you know, the backing that he needed, but, um, and it's really, so this is really sad. Like it's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's you read it and you're like, this guy's such a prick. But if you look at it from like, just what the, um, what the young boy must've experienced his, every account says his deformed eye kind of put off people. I think, they also put into it like how his belligerent attitude. And I think that meant like, he's like hitting people and stuff. So like, he's like pretty violent, but the poor kid is not damaged just physically, but mentally, spiritually, right? Like in every way you can imagine. And they're trying to find a home from, and they're just unable to. So eventually it's, I mean, how bad could it be? All your, all you have is a sagging eye. Like that's not so bad, right? Oh, that's kind of what I thought, right? I was like, well, mate, like, but people, people in the thirties were, sure, you could say like they were like maybe less compassionate than now, but I don't think they're so bad. <laughs> right. They're just like, I don't want this this little boy with an with a slightly like with a, you know. I think, def- I guess you could say defective or droopy. They're not eye. the Greeks. Jesus. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I think it's probably more that because every other account, everybody knows the type of guy that I'm talking about, like where they're just off the fucking chain. Like you can't, oh, you, you know what I mean? Like the kid in school who's just like, he's not like picking other, other kids. He's like bashing his head in the wall and like, the kid who would do like school shootings and stuff where it's like this, this person is in a level of darkness. That's like not normal. Like something, the one is, that the teacher just uh, ignores so she can get home safe. And if it, you're ignoring, yeah. Yeah. if you're ignoring Billy cook, I don't know that I'm going <laughs> to hold it against you. So he <laughs> ends up being, he ends up being placed with his, um, with his sister, his oldest sister, but even his sister is like, I can't take care of him. This is just too much. So she takes him, she takes, she takes him back to, um, 
the foster system. And he drifts into this. It all says he drifts into this life of petty crime. And eventually he gets arrested for truancy, meaning like he's just out like wandering around. So at the age of 12, a, yeah, it should a local, be in school, right? Yeah. Well, the judge takes him in. Well, the judge, judge takes him and says, you can either go to a reformatory. You can go like, you know, juvie or back to foster care. And he takes juvie. Right. Hell yeah. Three so, squares a day. I guess. Right. Like, uh, so he spends several years um, in, in behind bars, basically, which we all know just like makes you a better criminal in most yeah. ways. So he's eventually sent at age 17 to the to the Missouri State Penitentiary. I can say that smoother to the Missouri State Penitentiary. Missouri. To do. So uh, while in prison, he assaulted another inmate with a baseball bat. Oh, things things not looking good. How so? They have bats on the yard, maybe. But thank you. How what? Even in the 1950s, what are you, or like what are we looking at here? The 1940s. I think now. they had like rec uh, softball games and yeah, stuff like well, that. Maybe but. don't give them bats. Like yeah. maybe maybe we'll have like that's why handball is so popular now. <laughs> so Cook is released. Billy Cook is released from prison. Like at his this after for finishing this stint, uh, he was. Finishing his juvenile stint, he's released in 1950. He returns to Joplin, Missouri, where he goes and he first moves in with his dad. All of the accounts basically sum it up as like a less than pleasant reunion. And so in, in this part of the movie, like imagine Billy is really hurt, really angry, probably barely holding on to reality. He goes home, finds his alcoholic dad living in what i can only presume is a cave or slightly better <laughs> and he starts going on crazy fucking rants about how he says like listen to this stuff that this guy says these are like quotes that people give for him he says i'm from now on i'm gonna live by the gun and roam and he says is this like really the kid that's exactly it's like who do you think you are dude you're gonna live by the gun he says, I'm going to live by the gun and take lots of money. And then he tells his dad that if anyone ever asks where he's at, just tell him that he's tell for his dad to tell the authorities that Billy was with him. And if he doesn't tell him that he's going to kill him. And so his wow. dad's just like, fucking, okay, dude, Power whatever, right there. whatever you say. And then Billy ends up for whatever reason, I, it just always says he drifted. So he ends up in this little place called in this little town called Blythe, California, which I, I've driven through on my way home, on my way from California or Texas to California or back and forth. Um, but Blythe is like right on the western side of the Arizona border. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Hmm. And so he moves out there and he starts. I mean, it's like really it's in like the equivalent of Death Valley, right? Like you're just yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And he moves so out there. What was he the thinking? Now he's the big fish in the pond? I don't know. He became a dishwasher. So I don't know what that meant to him. If he really hated it or really loved it. Yeah. But in, in you late know how December, fucked up you can be washing dishes, though? I saw some accounts that said in late, like on December 29th specifically, but that's my birthday. So I'm going to say that like it was late December that Billy lost his mind officially. 
and he <laughs> decides that's all it says it wasn't like he, on your birthday specifically I'm, i don't think so i don't think that would cause anybody to go crazy oh, everybody man. has a good time on the 29th no but way. he uh <laughs> yeah started like really uh having enough of it and he decides he's gonna go back home and he's gonna go back to missouri so he takes off back east down like the 10 freeway i don't know what that would have been then but towards el paso so on his way east he in el paso he buys a 32 caliber revolver this little like snub nose revolver um he then if you're familiar with like texas geography um a lot of this is kind of centered around like northern texas kind of north central texas and he he takes his car from el paso uh to lubbock which is like what eight, six hours eight hours north is that right eight six something like that it's a long something fucking way like maybe yeah. even longer it's a long yeah. long ways anyways he drives from el paso to lubbock with this 32 caliber revolver on december 30th which makes me question like i don't think that was the 29th because that's a long way to travel in like a day <laughs> so a lot of these dates too i'm telling you man like this one was a weird a weird one to research because like a lot of these dates don't make any sense and like the mileages are just like it'll say like oh he traveled 30 miles and and did this but it would have actually been like 300 so if these details are skewed I mean, a little listen, yeah, we'll man, call it artistic you, gotta, you, you don't have to keep defending that your birthday is special i'm you. telling you it's a special day it's yeah. texas's birthday too it became a state on the 29th of December. really oh my goodness that dark dark day in most texans estimation but oh, on geez. december 30th as a as, as flag texas, still flying high though Texas mechanic Lee Archer was, I'm sure, like recovering from his December 29th uh, hangover for uh, <laughs> bemoaning Texas becoming a state. The day before New Year's. So this poor guy, Lee <laughs> Archer, he's he's walking around or driving around uh, Lubbock, Texas, and Billy Cook hi- or carjacks him. There's a lot of like kind of a disparity in the story as to whether like he was like pulled up, pulled up to him on a corner or he picked up Billy hitchhiking. Cause that's kind of Billy's modus operandi from here out is that he's a hitchhiking. Thank you. Uh, he's a hitchhiking dude. So he's a hitchhiker, classic serial killer fantasy, right? So shortly afterward, he, uh, or right. He, he let me calm down a little bit. I'm getting too, uh, too hyped up on the Billy hook story. So, <laughs> He carjacks this guy in Lubbock, right? He stuffs him into the trunk of his own car. And then Lee Archer, being the master mechanic that he is, finds a tire iron in there or he has a screwdriver on. Oh, God. How would you find a tire iron with the spare tire? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Cranks open the door, cranks open the trunk while, uh, while Billy's about to make a turn and jumps out at the corner and then runs off and i'm just like dude if i lived in lubbock in the late 1950s that'd be like the wildest thing you ever saw like also well no this would not be the first carjacking that you even uh, participated in that's what i'm saying if you have anyone that was alive in lubbock the 1950s please let us know yeah how many um, uh most carjacks wins t-shirt calling it right now i like it (laughs) all that night promo for crime uh so the car runs out of fuel right he said uh billy cook takes off out of lubbock and he's heading kind of like north it's very his exact trajectory is always kind of tough because he's 
going north and then he sporadically decides to go west so he runs out of fuel somewhere between claremore and tulsa oklahoma hops out of the car and just ditches it and he starts hitchhiking again so this time he's picked up by by what is a very difficult gentleman for me to empathize with at some (laughs) point in this story i view this guy as like I don't know, dude, the fucking 40 year old virgin of the 1950s or something. Clearly not because he had kids. Okay. So the man's name is Carl Moser, right? Or Mosser. There's, I've heard different pronunciations. He and his family are in route to visit his brother who was stationed in New Mexico. Uh, It was in the army. So his wife, three children and his dog are all in the car. So with him are, gosh, I have, so I'm like scrolling through the script right now. So I have the names down here. Uh, it is. Okay. The Mosser or Moser family, again, excuse the mispronunciation, but there's Carl. Carl was 33. Thelma, his wife, 29. Ronald, their oldest son, was seven. Gary, their next oldest middle, middle child, was five. And Pamela Sue was three. And the other dog with them. You knew there was a hyphenated name in there somewhere. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, yes. That's uh, it's it's been an oft oft remarked upon name in all the all the other podcasts and shows I've heard on this one. Yes, Pamela. Oh no. Uh, okay, so Carl Mosser is just apparently everyone says this really nice guy. He's a salesman in in Illinois, right? But Carl, why do you want to pick up somebody? Like, why do you want to pick up this droopy-eyed hitchhiker in the middle of Oklahoma? I don't know. Carl feels bad I mean, for this, like, this how, guy. Were they in the middle of nowhere? Was he about to die uh, yes. if he didn't pick him up? Like, so they're fi- like, okay. So Billy looks really young. Billy at this at this time is twenty-one years old. Looks even younger than he is. Looks like a teenager. Um, but, but I mean, like, like I said, he's also like you can see pictures of him. He's a hard-looking guy. And he has the words hard luck tattooed on his knuckles. I guess maybe you couldn't see that or something, but so he picks up, he picks up Billy, right? Him and the Moser family. Would, Billy would slides that, in the back. All right. Seat. So if you were trying to save a man's life and he had hard luck tattooed on his knuckles, would you not save that man's life? I would say you are prophetic with your tattoo choices, sir. Have a good day. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> You can ride on the roof, maybe? <laughs> no, 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 no way, dude. Like, if I see any hitchhiker in Oklahoma, even in the 1950s, it's just not happening. <laughs> I'm just not having it. Especially with, like, your family. What about but, throwing ah, some water out the window? Yeah, dude, with your family, that's just a little weird. And this, it just gets so brutal here, right? So, oh, man. So, I don't know if I'm ready for this, dude. It's a rough one, man. This is a rough one. So, Billy slides in the car, right? And he pulls out the 32 revolver immediately, just, just about immediately. And he explains to everyone that like, you're going to do what I say or else he explains, especially to Carl, I'm going to kill your whole family. And so Carl's like, okay, well, I'll follow you to KFC. (laughs) Well, he tells them to just kind of like drive around aimlessly and they go back. There's different accounts. The first known account of them is in wichita falls texas i think the day after which is over towards dallas and 
they pulled up to a filling station and they like got some coffee, some water, and then Carl and Billy were in line to pay for it and to get some gas. And Billy, I'm sorry, Carl, all of a sudden just freaks out and starts yelling at people like, this guy is going to kill me and take my wife. And then Billy pulls out a gun on him and they start tussling back and forth. And the shop owner comes out with his own gun and the shop owner is like, get out of here. And they, they put it either break or like completely shatter or break the front glass door window. And so he runs them out of the store and then, yeah, the guy doesn't want anything to do with it. He just wants yeah, they both of them out of there. They apparently both got back in the car and then drove off. Wow. Which is, again, like, I, it's hard for me. I don't, I don't understand what happened as far well, as what's like, he going to do. Is he going to leave his family must, or whatever? Well, he must yeah. have thought that the other, the store owner would shoot him because the store owner yeah. did have a gun aimed at him. And so he thinks like, well, I can't get shot by this guy. And well, maybe, maybe the bad guy uh, got in the car first or you know said right like, oh, it's a good point that's a good point yeah. yeah so that's yeah excellent that's that's kind of what i was wondering too um but it's hard to hard to tell right so they get back in the car and then that was basically the last real chance that they they had so they head what looks like southwest towards um like el paso and they're seen again in el paso and then they head north again. Great taco shells. Well, over there. So it, this takes this whole thing takes three days, and they would end up kind of. They were captive for three days, three whole days in this car. These oh, three yeah. poor kids, not knowing like what I this mean, cycle like, you with hate the guns. To blame the do. victim, but come on, like three Carl? days. Like you can't get yeah. help in three days. Dude. <sighs> It's kind of like I hate to exactly. I hate to blame the victim, but it's I don't understand how he went three days with like and he had four people with him. But it, I mean, the guy's in the back seat and he's got the Five, gun on yeah. all of his all of his kids. I so mean, it's like he's got three kids. You can lose one. You know what I mean? Just like ooh, brutal he's got, Darwinism. He's only got six bullets. Hey, that's that's arithmetic for you. Sean Demers teaches arithmetic yeah. in the most disturbing way ever. Six um, bullets, five people. You got to you got to at least miss once. You know what I'm you saying? Know what, though? So, I feel like I feel like you would have been a man of action, though. I don't feel like we'd be uh, having this oh, I, story in this three days. Way. No way. Maybe a few few minutes, a couple hours, whatever. I mean, they well, got my family, but whatever. So they're heading back towards missouri right and they see a, co- a cop car ahead of them well, so first of all we're talking about thousands of miles if not hundreds and Dude, hundreds yeah, and hundreds yeah hundreds so and hundreds if not thousands they had, exactly. they had thousands uh, probably. maybe a dozen chances to get help at least by pumping gas like it doesn't make any sense to me I know that's kind of like, see like why my initial frustration, it's like, why did you pick this guy up? And then how is there not a time in this three days? So Billy um, falls asleep and the Mosers see a cop car up ahead of him. And Carl decides to just go for it. And he starts speeding up and going and going and going and going again. Just when they're about to get up, even with the cop car, Billy wakes up and he puts the gun to, um, I think it was Gary's head and says, you know, pull over like this like or like says like slow down like you're not gonna get Man, you're not gonna nobody do even liked gary well uh you might want to hold off on that joke for like the next three or four minutes here oh no 
Does that. <laughs> oh, geez, dude. Uh, so, okay. So really try to imagine being in the car for this whole thing. So they think that after their three days, they might've finally found a cop that can help them. Right. And he just by word fucking yards, maybe feet, it's out of reach, like yards and feet between you and your whole family living and dying. Yeah. And a psycho in the back seat pulls you off. And then varying accounts, I couldn't tell if it was if it was Carl himself or Thelma, his wife, who or maybe both essentially had like a mental breakdown, like what you might might quantify as a panic attack today. Like like couldn't breathe, just completely freaking out. Carl pulls over and this only makes Billy mad. So the kids are seeing their family freak, their, their, their parents freak out. They start freaking out and screaming. The dog starts barking and Billy just goes into a rage and kills them all one by one bullet to oh, the head. Shit. Even the dog, like he killed Man. Carl, killed Thelma, killed seven-year-old Ronnie, killed five-year-old Gary and three-year-old Pamela Sue who likely watched her whole family die and then got shot and then killed the dog. Then that poor dog had to watch all of it. Yeah. So then it's been weird how much during, I have to say to the other podcasters out there that have made podcasts about this, it's a little off putting, like how much they emphasize the dog. It's like, I love dogs. We all love dogs, but they're like, Oh, they killed the whole family. And then, Oh, the poor dog. Oh, the poor dog. You're like, I think we're saying the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet there. Like, <laughs> you know, he murdered like three kids and well, two adults, right? My my emphasis on the dog was just as a com- comedic relief, but uh, yeah, I know we're trying to pull some kind of fucking release valve here. <laughs> right. I get it. I get it, friend. I'm sweating my through my shirt right now. Okay, listen so to sh- listen to this shit. <laughs> we are uh, we're outside of joplin missouri now and billy has a car full of five human bodies and one dog body mm-hmm. right and he's yeah, got to dispose of food them. well when billy believe it or not geez thanks sean thank you but believe it or not during his uh juvenile time billy had talked to one of his cellmates about how there was a a well like an open well in joplin that you could they'd be just like perfect to drop bodies in He's like, if you ever mess oh with me, I'll kill so you. So maybe this was the whole bodies. plan all along. So he takes the whole family there, drops all of them, dog included, into the well, drives off, ditches the car, picks up another car. It looks like he picked up a car off of another like off-duty officer. He took a deputy hostage, deputy sheriff hostage, heads back to Blythe, California, where he used to be a dishwasher, all the way back across the desert, right? Then he Where gets is there. he getting all this money? Well, I guess gas is like, just, like almost free yeah. back then. He just like, too. if I need anything, he just steals it and kills whoever he needs. Man. So he picks in, he gets to Blythe. He needs another ride to get out of there. So he comes upon a guy, a salesman from Seattle named Robert Dewey, and he kidnaps Robert Dewey so he can take his car. They drive around all over like the Southern California, Southern Arizona, Mexico border. And then when they get out to um, like take a break, basically, um, Dewey was going to smoke a cigarette and he pulled a cigarette out and dropped it. And this psycho Billy Cook 
thinks like he's reaching for a gun. That's what he said while he was going to pick up the cigarette. And so while Dewey is bent down, uh, Billy Cook just puts a bullet behind his ear and kills him right in the middle of the desert. Stuffs his body back into the trunk of a car um, and then takes off basically for Mexico. Like He crosses the border and goes in this little town outside Tijuana called Santa Rosa Rosalia Rosalie, the um, where he finds these two. So there he's got he's got a dead body. He ditches the dead body, gets across the border, takes another two guys who are apparently they're called prospectors. I don't know if these two guys were like prospecting for gold in Mexico. Or if they were just vacationing in Mexico, also accounts said that they could they were like hunting in Mexico, but their overall job was like gold prospectors in America. Wow. So mm. yes, keep that in mind. We've got two gold I'd, I'd prospectors. I'd like to see that business card. This, um, exactly, so, exactly. First of all, it, it's interesting that they don't check for bodies in the trunk on the way to Mexico. I think he ditched it right before and then kidnapped these two and took their vehicle. They were Americans. Yes. And then okay. took that's the way I'm reading it. Yeah. Is that he, and he, or he, or he might've just ditched Dewey's body. No, he ditched Dewey's body in a ditch. My bad. My bad. Got, I got a lot of bodies to keep track of. Here. Yeah. This, this is a uh, pretty intense <laughs> here, man. So he then, uh, he then kidnapped the other two hunters and they drive into Mexico. So they're in Mexico for a solid week. And these two guys are like, he's got them in their camp in this like camp kind of outside town and he's just holding them hostage and he's got this loaded gun. They said, if you're familiar with a snub nose revolver or revolver at all, you can tell when it's cocked because the hammer, the part that goes like the little thing you pull back to cock the gun, it, you can see that it's visibly back and locked in place and ready to fire. They yeah. said that the, the hammer was cocked the entire time. And even when he was asleep, like he had it in his lap. So they just never knew when to make a go for it. Hmm. So probably when he was asleep. right it's like you're kidnapping the worst escapees that have ever and i I get it again you don't want to blame the victim but no no we don't deserve to be kidnapped but i don't know i would say that they don't deserve to be kidnapped because it's like if you suck at baseball that bad you don't deserve to play baseball (laughs) (laughs) you know like you really suck at being kidnapped you don't even deserve to be kidnapped it was boring yeah, so, what, so what was the point of the snub nose? So it fit in a pocket, right? Yeah, it was just like small. a gangster gun. Yeah, and like a 38 put a decent hole in somebody, is what I've been told. Um oh, yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it says mm-hmm. somebody check that... Brandon's trunk. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what you won't find two fucking gold prospectors. This is an insane story. So no, this is a silver town. Billy comes down with a case of dysentery, which if you don't know what that is, it means you basically just like shitting yourself shit your brains death, out right literally to death. shit and shit <laughs> and then shit until you die so they go into town and they're oh, at, at some cafe or a little coffee place or drugstore and this guy there's there's posters all over the place for billy cook wanted posters the local police chief named luis para just like happened to see cook and so this dude he's probably cook, like my name's uh billy chef he yeah. just walks up behind him and he's just like, hey, motherfucker, and pulls the like Billy had the um the revolver in his belt. And he's just like, give me that shit. And he just fucking took it off. And he's like, give me that fucking and he's like, you're under arrest. And so that's it. He's arrested. That's it. Uh, after all this, this guy just comes up. And he's like, mm, nah, 
give me that you're arrested <laughs> absolutely insane so they they extradite billy he is flown back to across the border i believe to san diego this time what's well, so funny it gets, was probably first class too no actually it was it was a like federal plane right and then oh, his kidnappies his kidnapped and I think so. He was like in the 1950s con air. And then his oh. kidnappees got like a commercial flight back. So they got a little better deal. That's so you know, cool. On the, on the way back. Oh man. But Cook, Billy Cook, then from there, he's handed over to the FBI. He is first tried for the for the deaths, for the murders of the Moser family. Um, and he's convicted, but in I believe he's convicted there in Oklahoma. So he's sentenced to 300 years, right? For 300? The, right, which they'll often do. Like they give you like consecutive lives or just unthinkable terms. But that is kind of nominal in that meaning like it's just to kind of represent how bad what you did was. However, with time served, with good behavior, the, the, the DAs and the, the prosecuting attorneys looking at this realize that Cook, the Billy could get out with about... 20 years if, wow. if, if, if he had like doesn't sound like he would have minded his p's and q's but that's what they saw they didn't like that so they decided they're going to go after the death penalty so they go to, to california of all like california used to really fucking like killing people and even more than texas dude they used to like the san quentin used to kill a lot of people if you ever heard the song um uh, sing me back home before i die by merle haggard that's about okay. a man going to his execution at San Quentin. Not hmm. about Billy, but it could have been, right? So anyways, uh, most of the, after the Moser convictions, he's brought back to stand trial in California for the death of, uh, of Dewey, from, for, of Robert Dewey, the salesman from Seattle. He's convicted there and then sentenced to death in uh, the gas chamber in San Quentin. Hmm. So on December 12th, 1952, uh, Cook was scheduled to be executed. I actually found an old uh, Madeira, Madeira town, central California farming town that is located kind of um, between Fresno and Sacramento for anybody What's it familiar. Called? Madeira. Madeira. It's, uh, yeah, it, uh, I think it means, uh, it means, I forget what it means in Spanish, but um, it's just a little farming town and it's about 20 minutes no about about 45 minutes south of the town i'm from in merced so it's just small uh farming town newspaper and it had this account of uh of billy cook's like last day in jail before they executed him and it was just basically like local piece of shit eats food <laughs> <laughs> it was just like like his last meal was like fried chicken uh like ice cream uh, where do they apple get pie. The food for the last meal i always wondered that oh they, they have it i think it's made by the prison cook and they're like it's like requested like a couple days earlier but it's it's always like you can i found a list of like the weirdest last meals preparing for this one like some dude ate like i think he ate an olive and he thought like if he swallowed the pit that his corpse would like sprout an olive tree something like that <laughs> these people are insane and like lots of them are just like like a like a like a seven-year-old's dream menu where there's like i want macaroni and cheese macaroni and cheese and hot dogs <laughs> 40 40 donuts and then like some psycho in texas and i forget who who like the reason they got a, they got rid of the last meal in texas is because this guy 
ordered all this crazy. Like he's a well-known psychopath. He's just skipping my mind with all the other psychopaths crammed in there right now. But he um, ordered all this stuff, like a seven course meal, and then just took like one bite and then was like, no, thanks. I'm good. (laughs) And they're like, all right, well, no, we're not wasting taxpayers money on this anymore. (laughs) However, God God forbid you waste taxpayers money. He lived out his last day and uh, he was sent to the, he was walked to the gas chamber on December 12th, 1952, which is almost exactly uh, 60 years ago. And this is at San Quentin. And would would is, you walk or would you have somebody like drag you? Like, oh, you're dragging me. You're dragging yeah, me. Like, fuck this. I, I'm not walking. Billy Cook they said willingly. Billy just, like, he said he just sat on the on this cot, just like staring into space. And when it was time to go, he said, like this this fucking guy. He said the deputies. All right. So before he said that no one had ever treated him like a human being in his life, except for one of the de- deputy's wives. No one's ever been nice oh, to him. He said, so he fucked the deputy's wife. Okay. I said, maybe he said, I never had a friend in the world. And then his last words were, I hate everyone and everyone hates me. And it's like, well, you know what, Billy, you might be fucking right. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, you tried right to now, kill everyone and then we killed you. Yeah. Nobody okay. listened to the, okay, and like like lots of other. Uh, I, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and then this picture terms him William Cockeyed Cook. So, um, all he had to do in his sad, miserable life was not be a stepchild, dude. Well, how about not murder an entire family and then another guy? <laughs> like that's really all you got to do. Even if you want to like be a psychopath to talk about like throwing people down the local water well, I mean uh, you're crazy. No. I mean, it probably who hasn't thrown somebody some stranger down the local water go like, live in your cave right but you, i mean you don't have to i would say that you didn't have to do that i would say you didn't have to kill a bunch of people i think the whole family was excessive like maybe well, one or two one or two uh, are you one, one one are you under the illusion that we're done with billy's story yet Oh no, no, no. We haven't even got oh. to the song. Oh, it's not even, we're not even there yet, friend. We go. So what happened with Billy's body? This oh, guy geez. in a local in a community. The, did the dog uh, eat it? No, it, it would have been better if that had happened. So this guy, Billy's family. Like, uh, what, what's that um what's that thing with Johnny Depp, the musical where they where they make the pies? Where he's the demon barber of yeah, um uh todd sweeney todd Todd, sweeney todd yeah Yeah. so did they make it bake him into a pie and serve him to the villagers this guy would be like a a hillbilly funeral home sweeney todd where he didn't like make meat pies but he made like candles statues in that like he like let people look at dead people so what he what he did (laughs) he got billy's family to sign the rights to billy's body over after billy was executed right so he has uh, a little. I would love to have been there for that for that what, luncheon. What's this guy's name? This guy. I'm gonna look at the script again. So the guy's name is. I lose this guy's name every single time that I go. Um, I'll return to it. It's lost in the script now somewhere. Uh, but this the local funeral director in uh, Comanche, Oklahoma, not Comanche, Texas, Comanche, Oklahoma, uh, says, yeah, I'll sign. I'll take Billy off your hands. You know, we'll make sure he gets a proper burial. So like, sure. 
what he does is take Billy, stuff him full of formaldehyde, and then charge like whatever, like a quarter ahead to come by and see the serial killer. Wow. And this little town of Comanche, Oklahoma, which had about 1,300 people, got like thousands of people streaming into town <laughs> to see the Atlantic City of the South. See this guy's corpse. Like, this is like 1850s stuff, you guys. Right. Like, we have like this is like this i love lucy would have been on tv <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there was stuff to watch and they're just well, like yeah why wouldn't you go see this there's guy, a dead right? guy over in comanche yeah. oklahoma we gotta go fucking check him out my goodness so tv hadn't got over there lawsuits ensued the guy was sued billy's family got him back he was eventually buried just outside of joplin missouri and the only people that were there were his sister his dad uh and i think a, and a local priest to, to how did he him. even get the right to a proper burial like why would well, just... yeah no matter what they'll give you like a, uh, a, a burial burial as far as like the formalities Man. of it yeah Jeez. even the, even the state if they execute you like they'll they'll abide by your family or your your own wishes but huh. so that well, is the uh, well that makes a whole bunch of sense that's a yeah. horse of a different color <laughs> so with all of that in mind uh what a what a crazy trip that was to be made to, to be made into a song actually it became kind of a fascination of Jim Morrison. He made a, a movie, like an independent movie called The Hitchhiker in 1969, where he basically kind of played this Billy Cook character, but without yeah, being... I, I bet like that was just miserable nonsense. Yes, I, I have to agree oh, with you, Sean. my having, God. Having looked at it, it was, it was... You actually watched it? Is oh, that yeah, why you've some been, clips. Is that why you've been so out of the loop? Oh, my God. Bro, it's a, it's a, I don't, I don't want any, I don't want anybody to have to watch that. Okay. It was, yeah, yeah. it was just the height of pretension. See, see what this guy does for the people. Thank you. You know, Thank Brandon you. 2022. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. That's we'll turn I'm this saying. place around. Yeah. So, uh, make, make Texas great again. So Texas, well, to, uh, uh, what Jim Morrison did was stick this into riders on the storm this kind of surreptitious way that you i didn't hear it when i when i like i said when i first heard the song i thought it was like kind of groovy and hippie and like that's the yeah mindset. why was he so into this macabre stuff i don't know man i don't like i don't know what his fascination with it other than like the lonesome drifting hitchhiker like misunderstood by society or maybe but, it was like edgy like he, quote unquote well, where yeah, you, i think where so he more could than, be different and cool maybe yeah. maybe jim was just a fucking loser and uh wow yeah getting after it i'm i'm gonna walk away from this story more anti-billy cook than anti-jim morrison but i respect okay. your take. well i mean so i'm here for a reason and it's the shit on the doors oh, and yeah, uh <laughs> yeah seems like well jim morrison tried tried his best to impress sean by sticking in uh so like the second verse really is what we're going to be looking at where it's we're kind of trying to we'll, we won't listen to like the whole thing we'll do a, a concert opinion on it but uh, at a at a different point, but uh, so you can get the first kind of feel for the first um, couple of verses here. The second verse is uh, there's a killer on the road. His brain is squirming like a toad. Take a, a long holiday. There's no burp in his version of it. Uh, well, I mean, let your there, children. Play. There was in the first take. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, then there's a killer on the road. If if you give this man a ride, sweet family will die. Yeah. Killer on the road. 
So pretty cryptic, like it doesn't sound like much because it's kind of tied into the rest of this song. But if you listen to that and then kind of sonically what's going on where he's whispering this other track, like killer on the road. Man, and then, I think but, you're, I think you're thinking way too deep into this. I, I no, really, that's what they said. They're they were trying to make like a cinema out of it. So that's well, what the, I seriously the, the rain doubt, is about. Yeah, like it's well, like walking down yeah. the rocking down the road in the rain. Yeah, cetera, the cetera. fact that you said they makes all the more difference. Yeah, the doors, right? Like it's not just Jim yeah. Morrison. I don't um, think Jim had much of class. anything to do with. It. He was he just had weird rhymes Most. that he wrote on the beach. Like you know, he's some weird fucker. You know, and then if you're interested in where Sean's going with this, if you're interested listen to what we're going to do more on Jim Morrison because he's like so hard to pin down but listen to our MK Ultra episode I we think he's got something to do with that it's just hard to quantify what I mean uh, his dad was a major his dad was the admiral who started Vietnam right yeah uh, it was a big deal Um, but Stuart Copeland's dad was literally a CIA operative right and then we talked about um, there's Stephen Stills, David Crosby. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm blank, and I'm I'm leaving out many, many now of that particular scene whose parents were not just employees of the federal government, but were no, no, no. high were, up in yeah. Federal Bureau of Investigation. They were decision makers. Yeah. The OSS, which became the CIA. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we're not talking about like the janitor at the FBI building, like no. especially Stephen Stills. It's, it's, we're it's talking about the guys who were in charge of like overthrowing government. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like yeah. And like that's quite literally Jim Morrison's dad in this case. And what ultimately became of him? I don't know, man. And I, I don't know how he got to where he was, but I think it's so convenient was, that that he's it, so successful. For being just a normal range, average height, you know, I guess normal looking dude. Uh, but it's kind of Cali- cryptic. Isn't it creepy? There's something beyond. All right. This is just my like opinion. Right. So there's but there's something beyond even this like MK Ultra conspiracy thing. It's like another kind of metaphysical thing in this that like he's. This is his last song and the last words he ever recorded, but like whispered cryptically. And mm. then within like, what's two months? Like two months ago was like, what? Like August. So like if you recorded it in August today, you'd be dead. Like that's not that long. And like something, yeah. I, I don't think any of that was planned. It's just weird. Like you're a member of the 27th club. They found you dead in a bathroom in Paris. And like, this was your last song and you're obsessed with this like, deranged lonesome hitchhiker guy like again i kind of like uh, i don't mean that conspiratorially it's just odd that it ended up that way it reminds me of like anthony bourdain or something like that like he Mm, got too close got too close to the answers and then snubbed out bro we may not have had a better way to finish this episode excellent example i i don't think i even thought about that you might be looking at like a proto bourdain in that yeah yeah, yeah you're like right. he was you're given right. a, a fucking weird ass autistic loser that would no offense bring bang but, boom ladies and but, gentlemen but that's what i'm saying mailing. that's what he was he was just some weird loner that sat on a beach and wrote shitty poetry and then by happenstance came upon this great party with these great musicians mm. and beautiful women and then she introduced him to ray uh Mazurchek or whatever his name is 
And Bobby Krieger. Yeah. Man, yeah. Man Zurich. And yeah. uh, lo and behold, became uh, one of the most successful rock and roll bands of American history. But uh, it's, it's just so it's so weird. I mean, like, do you really think had, it happened like that? He had no idea what he was doing. And like, I don't know, like, and you look into like Wayne's World 2. And I made this joke earlier, like Wayne's World 2, like they idolized Jim Morrison as mm. this like cryptic. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a trans dimensional uh, figure that knows all and, and is all. And it, it's just like this guy's a fucking loser who but just white. He's like a goth loser who just I agree, just man. Like, it just has this weird. And you could say that about a lot of this, like 27 club stuff where you're just like, is this person just like kind of. A lot of them are extremely talented. Sure. I think yeah. Robert Johnson was talented. Jimi Hendrix. Level. Jimi Hendrix for sure. Beyond Amy Winehouse, I think had a, had a, yeah. a plethora of talent. But she it's was twenty seven too. Weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. just this, it's this weird, like, like you're saying, it is kind of this ephemeral. Like, how do you quantify what happened there? Because of all the other people in the twenty seven club, like his seems to be like the least explicable. Like it doesn't. And also it happened so quickly. It was like yeah. a couple of years. It's like three where years. this all happened. This whole yeah. doors thing happened. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a whole lifetime of a thing. Like, I mean, even Jimi Hendrix, like he had like 10 years of, of music production. Right. Well, actually you're right. right? Yeah. Cause like close to a decade. Right. Cause he with the yeah. Isley brothers and right. the studio music. Yeah. You're right. We're like, yeah, so, it's this. And they went from, no music experience none like they didn't have bands growing up jim morrison right. wasn't in a bunch of bands growing up to yeah being big however with all that said i think this song clearly points to some artistic talent some like artistic bent some and and i think as a vocalist it's not what he did on this song as a vocalist he did a great job he did a really good job of not overselling He's yeah. just like, yeah. he's like, take a long holiday, let your children play. And you could have always yeah. sold that. And he, it's not easy to do that and do that whisper track with it. Kudos on that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And I, he, he is obviously a talented poet. Yeah. Um, yeah I, but, I agree. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, a, I wouldn't so much agree with you that he's a talented singer. Um, check he this can one out. Sing. Check this. It's not, it's can not about, sing. but it's not about. Yeah. It's not about um, it's not about like if this is professional wrestling, it's not about how many backflips you can do. It's about whether yeah. or not you believe what's going on. And he oh, sells I believe this song. what you're singing. Yeah, he man. sells it like he and it, and yeah. this these vocals that he uses, especially for this song, I think sell it. It's a weird because you're trying to strike this vibe between like groovy and creepy. And he yeah, but does this that really whole well. time, this whole time, I, I, I sincerely believe that Jim was writing lyrics separate from the band. I don't think they were in a room jamming together making songs. I think Jim was off no. on his own doing whatever he was doing, writing shitty poetry and then here that's comes like this every band ever. That's like how no, all I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's, that's like true. how almost all bands work. Oh no. Goes and writes shitty poetry Man, and then why like are you when throwing he stones riff, in my glass house. I'm telling cuz I write songs. I'm telling what you the like fuck here. It's, it's You don't a, think I write a, songs? No, I'm saying like as a as a lead vocal guy in a band, like that's kind of all you have to do. You just write a bunch of stuff yeah. and then you let your guitar players play stuff and then you're like, "Oh, 
hey, like let's let's keep playing that's that. Pretty cool. Do that, that again. Yeah, I'm being kind of funny, but it's like, yeah, like that's because what the fuck else do lead singers have to do but like stare at themselves and like, like and you know what I mean? Yeah. Brandon spends uh, a lot of time in front of the mirror, yeah. primping and crooning. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like they don't have to like. That's what they do. Like they just like you don't have to like like practice scales or anything. You better be writing shit. Was it true that I know this was in the movie, but was it true that Jim Morrison really didn't even like connect with the crowd until maybe months into their stage performances? Dude, I I'm I'm like dubious on any of this. Like I just don't because like like we were saying. I think they really made this song, right? I think they did a great job with this. But as far as like they're finding their live footage and shit, like why can't we find any live footage? Why is there a bunch of live footage of Jimi Hendrix? And why is there a bunch why? of live footage of all these bands? But like there's yeah, no live Van footage. Van Halen, we talk about Van Halen yeah. all the time. There's no live like, footage. Why can I not see David Lee Roth do the full splits on camera? It, it just takes- doesn't happen. Some important questions that I think oh, will have man. to be answered. So, at some you know point. what we should have talked about? While we, you know what, we should have brought this up when we did the moon landing episode. A classic, I highly recommend it. Everyone look at it, listen yeah. to it, live it. But uh, I mean, it's just it's so easy to fake, but Van Halen is so good, like, oh my gosh, it, it's so raw and it's so it's so simple, like, it, it would be it would be the most elaborate plan in the entire world to fake van halen like it would it would it would it would it would be it would almost be like the moon landing like it would cost more to fake the moon landing it would take more resources to create all this paperwork and all this all these man hours and documented research to fake the moon landing as it would to fake van halen like there's no way that either of these were fake ah that's just what i'm saying well sean We've got Bitcoin sitting at sixty thousand dollars. Nine hundred. What's Doge? What's Dogecoin at right now, man? Don't worry about it. Flat Earth Dave's not paying in Dogecoin, buddy. He's paying. Oh, in that's Bitcoin. right. That's Bitcoin right. is that is, fucker is, owes me two Bitcoin. He's in a full. He's in a full bull market right now, folks. Well, you got to go prove it to him. All you got to do is bring him your proof. I already did. Earth. Where? Where is it? Where is it? Again? It's on video. No, we've got no video, friend. We've got no we video. Do. We posted no. it to the to our YouTube channel, we got but nothing. he just refused to agree. We got we got a we got a staged green screen. We have no photos of oh, of the, the, the globe. But we do have we have a recording of Jim Morrison singing "Riders on the Storm." Do you think? Okay, a quick like on the on the fly decision. Would it be better to do like a concert companion right now, or just like check out Jim Morrison's vocal tracks right now and then do a concert companion later? No, I don't. I do not want to listen to uh, specific Jim Morrison vocal tracks. Why not? Uh, so, I don't understand. Because it's shitty. So, like, so let's do uh, Riders on the Storm. Yeah, cue up Riders on the Storm. I'll we'll do. Let's right do now. like. Let's do half of it. You know, like then it's we can. Such a good song. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I'm down for that. Let's see where it goes. All right. All right. Now, without any further ado, Riders on the Storm by the Dole. So you're hitchhiking, you're, you're in your, let's, let's go from the driver's view. You're driving along. Is that a guy up there? Oh, it's a hitchhiker. I mean, it's, oh, it's pouring rain. 
foreign rain. I wonder, like, like this is weird, like that. You do not have, have an empty them. seat in your car. I know we already have fucking five people in here, but let's give them a ride. Running low on gas. You're like a long ways away from me Riders now. Riders on the storm. Hear that whisper track? Riders no. on the storm. Yeah, it's very quiet. He sings it at the same time. Yeah. Into this world we're thrown. It'll be in your like a dog without a bone and actor out alone. Very groovy. His brain is squirming like a toad. Brain is squirming like a little cockeyed toad. That is super creepy. Let your children play. When they did the studio recording, did they bring in a bassist, or did they have a Ray? Yeah. No. I've seen some pictures from the from the session, and it's a bassist, but I'm not sure. I didn't look into who it was. Okay. And you can hear like so. A lot of this is like sonically also kind of a throwback. Like that guitar is like that real like western like reverb guitar like it sounds like kind of out of a country song almost and that's like a, that's a throwback to the riders on the riders on the storm or the, uh, well, uh ghost mean, riders in the sky they're they're the original whole, like western it, Bob, bobby's whole sound is like that it's almost like brian proto brian may but he might like the riffs he's he's hitting too where it's like it's not they're not psychedelic they're more like from a western song. yeah it's like, like a secret agent man I'm not sure if he's talking about like I'm not sure if this verse is completely independent or if he's talking about I was thinking too maybe he's talking about uh, Carl's wife and saying like take him by the hand make him understand what's going on right now you gotta love your man like make him understand how this is not good to pick up a hitchhiker don't pick up this killer on the road maybe Maybe. and then it goes into this whole like trippy instrumental thing and it's 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 so kind of uh, like em- like emotionally disparate because it's like there's like this kind of groovy feel to it and then when you add into this add in this kind of like mental picture of this family being like tortured and driven all over and like it's yeah it's chilling right like you just saw right there like it's just it's it's actually like a really haunting yeah. Riders on the storm. Okay, here we go. Here's vocals only. Riders on the storm. See, that's good. He's doing a good In job. And those vocals over the top. I mean, the whisper over the top. That's a good edge. Like Into a good... this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone, an actor out alone. Riders on the storm. Well, that's a good because Steven yeah. Tyler couldn't have done There's that. Right. He's just Steven Tyler's the king of the, the queen of scream. That's what I mean. He couldn't. Like it takes a certain type of guy, maybe like Scott Weiland. And I think Scott hey, Weiland really, really patterned himself after Jim Morrison, the guy from Stone Temple Pilots. Like he Let really was a, Jim Morrison was a big yeah. hero of his, and so he kind of like if you had that. Maybe he did. Yeah. But if you try to do what Jim's doing here, not that easy. Jim's yeah. Jim's a baritone. And I'm not yeah. like we said, 
not the biggest Jim Morrison fan, but this this one song, I was like, I get this. This like really creeps me out. If music is supposed to make you feel something, you did it, buddy. Yeah, it really creeps me out. Uh, We got it. That's good enough. Like people hear him whisper. Make him understand. You out there listening? He's whispering, and it's creepy. I'm just not sure about Jim Morrison, man. Like I, I think he can sing. Well, it's not about him like being a genius. It's just that the fact it's just like he's it's just a creepy story to the song and like how yeah. uh, like it's the last song and that it really like makes a ton of sense. It's very odd and like he like said kind of like karmic cosmic way because couldn't have been constructed. Like what conspiracy is there gonna be behind like making that your last song or anything? Nothing that couldn't have been like made. Unless there there wouldn't be like a whole name. lot of point, but unless like his real name was Billy. Right, but he would have been dead like in 1952 when they executed. Or would him. he? Mm. Fair enough. Mm. So we'll leave you with that tonight on our uh, venture down the mystery on our Halloween adventure, yeah, our Halloween special. <laughs> it's music, murder, mystery, and the macabre here on the yeah, music podcast. A lot of M's all that night. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, if you haven't already be sure to check us out on alldamnight.com got all the episodes up there which is like your safest bet if you just want to find all of our episodes up in one place on yeah. we're on all of your your biggest like streaming platforms obviously wherever you found us here on iphone itunes, iTunes stitcher <laughs> what else uh Spotify. we're on youtube check us out on youtube i'm putting up new stuff Spotify, on YouTube. yeah Yes, yeah, oh, Brandon's, um, Brandon's content on uh, YouTube is great. It's so hard to get our old stuff on there. Man, um, yeah, but, it's a it's a labor, but we're getting it. But yeah, listeners, um, if there's any specific episodes you really want to see, uh, and also we can start putting up these videos of our uh, chats here and all that. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be we'll be transferring like all the actual like all of our stuff before now has just been just audio. So now you'll at least be able to see us talking. And any visual aids and stuff that we use, you can check it all out on YouTube. So, yeah, really hanging out with us. Lucky, and you can see how dirty our rooms are. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, it ebbs and flows, right? But uh, I don't know anything else. Oh yeah, if you need to get a hold of us, we are on Instagram.com/slash All Damn Night Podcast. The same yes. thing for Facebook. Um, Sean is at Sean S E A N at All Damn Night.com. And I'm at Brandon at alldamnight.com. Um, anything else? I'm sure that I'm forgetting something, but uh, if website, I'm, the merch, um, yeah, I got merch up on the website, some t shirts, uh, we've got uh, yeah, all that stuff, man. Be checking in with our Patreon, we're gonna be having cool stuff up on there, and uh, yeah, just be you know, sticking to our timeline, I think is the i'm looking for either way keep your eye on what we're doing we got lots of big stuff coming up you don't want to miss well, yeah, it yeah yeah uh, i don't i don't think the timeline's so important <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah i'm trying just, to find the right as phrase, long as it's interesting listening to our yeah. show please <laughs> i think that's the smoothest way to say it question mark but, yeah so um keep checking in if you have any stories uh questions comments you'd like to share feel free to reach out and we will be back next time with more of the greatest music podcast in history. This is all damn night. Nice.